chapter 3 of the book of Lamentations, Eicha, is different from the two chapters that proceed and the one that follows. It is written in the first person, Ani Oni I am the man, I'm the one who has seen affliction by the rod of God's anger, God's wrath. So it's written in the first person. The verses are short, and instead of the one uh, letter beginning alphabet, the alphabet, in chapter 3, there are three alphabets and three bets and three gimels. And there is a practice that is found in many places that the chanting of chapter 3 is different from the chanting of the rest of Eicha, the familiar Eicha tune. But chapter 3, there are customs to sing it differently. Now, there is a tradition that ascribes this chapter in particular to the prophet Yirmiyahu, to Jeremiah. I am the one who has seen affliction. That is to say, the other prophets prophesied in general about impending doom, but they didn't have to live through it. And I am the one who not just talked about it, but also lives through it. That's a tradition. But in point of fact, this chapter, Ani Hagever, which is written from the standpoint of the individual, can be every and any individual, and is a very important complement to what proceeds and what follows. The description in chapter 3 of this person, Ani, I am the one, who suffers, here there's a very important point, and that is that everybody's suffering is unique. Everybody experiences their own suffering, and everybody's suffering is different. There's no such thing as the sum total of human suffering. I believe C.S. Lewis said that, because everybody's suffering is unique and special, and you can't combine the suffering of one and the other. And in point of fact, this chapter describes the suffering of one person, and the suffering over here in this chapter, to a very great extent, is psychological. The first 20 or so verses is a description of what this person is feeling. He, God, has led me and brought me into darkness, but not light. And the description goes on. The idea of darkness is found also in the uh, sixth verse. Dark places. Set me in dark places as those who are long ago dead. Next verse. God has hedged me in, for low eight say, a sense I can't escape, I'm stuck, I have no place to go. And gam kiezak vashavea satam tfilati. When I cry out, when I beseech, my prayers are stopped up. And that's a, a thought that comes through later in the chapter as well, that no one is hearing my cries. God is not listening to my prayers. There's no one to turn to. And this is the description that we have in the first 20 or so verses of chapter 3. In verse 18, V'omar avad nitzchi v'tochalti me'ashem. I said, avad nitzchi. Nitzchi could be my strength. I said, or I thought, my strength is lost and my hope from God. There's a sense of hopelessness that pervades the beginning of chapter 3, and to some extent we deal with it throughout the entire chapter. And then, there's a turning point, or the first of more than one turning point in the chapter. So the person in the story says, 
Zachar Tiskar, in verse number 20, Remember my affliction and misery, the wormwood and the gall, Lanovarosh. Zacharani umrudi Lanovarosh, Zachar Tiskar, Vitashua Chalai Nafshi, Zota Shiva Libi, Alkeno Chio. This, Oshiva Libi, this my soul still has in remembrance and is bowed down within me. So there's something about my soul. The soul is represented as another aspect of myself, perhaps even a forgotten aspect of myself. But this, Oshiva Libi, this I recall, Alkeno Chio. Therefore, I have hope. And now we have a recitation, several verses, which describe why this person still can have hope. Chastei Hashem ki lotamnu ki The mercies of God lotamnu has not ceased. Not ceased. Rochalu rachamav God's compassions do not fail. And now we have several verses where the chapter, the person in the chapter, is recalling thoughts about God. Maybe thoughts this person I learned as a youngster, repeating these thoughts. That there is hope. Tov Hashem l'kovav l'nefesh tidrashenu. God is, will do good to those who seek out, who beseech God. L'nefesh tidrashenu. Tov v'yachil v'dumam. It's good to be silent and hope in silence for God's salvation. And this goes on. Yitain be'afar piu. Ulay yesh tikva. Perhaps there is hope. Ki lo yiznach li'olam Hashem. God will not scorn forever. So the expression over here, in the middle of chapter 3, is there is hope. There is the possibility of salvation. Things can be turned around. After all, God is a just God. And in verse 39, here we have a new turn in the chapter, and that is that the speaker thinks about punishment as a product of sin person should think about what that person has done wrong. And in verse number 40, Let us seek out our ways. Let's study what we've done. Let us return to God. But then, two verses later, We have sinned. We have rebelled. And the presumption is we recognize this. But God is not forgiven. On the contrary, in verse 44, You have stopped up our prayers. You've placed a cloud over you. Prayers cannot enter. And then follows another litany of all that has gone wrong. The suffering of this person. And the suffering of this person as described in this chapter is unique and different. More than all the others. And that's true of everybody. Everybody, in a certain sense, feels that their suffering is special to them. They're experiencing their own suffering. And the text goes back into how this person is feeling. And in verse 54, They have poured water. Water flowed over my head. I said, Nixarti, I am cut off. Cut off, finished. And the next verse, Karati Shimcha Hashem mi bar tachtiot. I called out your name, O God, mi bar tachtiot. Bar is a pit, the bottomless pit. 
rock bottom. I feel completely cut off. Earlier the chapter spoke about stopping up the prayers. I am completely cut off. And from that place, from Bar Tachdiot, I cried out to your name. And here, in this chapter, Kolishamata, you heard my voice. Do not, do not hide at my sighing, at my cry. And the chapter continues, You came close to me when I called for you. And you said, do not fear. Two words, In this chapter, this is where God responds. In the chapter of 66 verses, God has two words, Altira, don't be afraid. What the chapter is describing over here is this individual person's despair, questioning, resolve, disappointment, and finally from the absolute rock bottom cries out, and two words, don't fear, have no fear. And from this point on till the end of the chapter, the speaker comes across in a completely different way. Comes to believe that there will be an answer. That God will someday respond. And the chapter here, as did the previous chapter, calls for God to put a curse on on the enemies, pursue them in anger, and destroy them from under the heavens of the Lord. Previous chapter, well, the previous chapter knows so much. The next chapter, actually, is a specific call for God to take revenge against the enemies of Israel, specifically Edom. And this call for vengeance may disturb some people, but actually, I find it very powerful. Part of the problem of suffering is that the victim often can come to believe that in some sense they deserve it. Now that sounds very strange to many people, but on some level, Human nature dictates that, well, maybe I did something wrong. Maybe the others are correct. So the call for vengeance, the call for punishment of the oppressor, is actually a very important step in coming to a true recognition of where we stand, where the victim stands. That's not to say that the victim is a purely innocent person. There's never a suggestion in this book that the victims are, are, are purely innocent. People are complicated, but the call for vengeance is a way of saying that things are happening to us that we do not deserve, that are a violation of basic human dignity. And the call, the last verse, Tudof biaf betashmi deim mitachat shmei Hashem. It's very interesting that that verse, Tudof biaf betashmi deim mitachat shmei Hashem, at least the Ashkenazi custom, and again, some people don't like it, but at the Seder, the second half of the Seder, after the meal is over, we open up the door, and traditionally we welcome in Eliyahu. Perhaps we welcome in people as well who want to join us for the hallowed service. And the Ashkenazic rite is to read a few verses. Pour your wrath upon the nations that do not know you, which of course leads into the second half of hallowed, etc., and the last of those verses, It is very interesting, and perhaps we'll have occasion to speak about this at a different time, 
that the Midrash pointed out that the night of the Seder and the night of Tishabav are always the same day of the week. The Seder is about freedom from oppression. Tishabav is about oppression and about responses to oppression, about thinking about our own lives, correcting our own lives, understanding what we're missing, what is wrong, as a step towards repentance. And it is striking that this last verse of the most personal statement of Echa, chapter 3, is a verse that is reserved as well, at least the custom of the Ashkenazim, is to recite this last verse as we're about to complete the Hallel at the Seder.